Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. Today, we're very fortunate to be joined by somebody who's got quite a bit of experience in the, the political realm, not only as a, a, an organizer in days past, he's more of a community organizer now, but also as well, he is a political blogger. So he keeps his fingers fairly uh, close on the pulse for what's going on in Alberta politics. So we're very fortunate that uh, Scott Harold Payne has agreed to sit down with us and, and chat about what's going on uh, for a little bit today. So Scott, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm glad to to sit down and chat. Uh, oh, it, it never takes much uh, arm twisting to get me to sit down and talk about politics, particularly uh, Alberta politics. So happy to be here. To start with, um, just for the our audience members who may not be familiar with you and your 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 work, um, if you could kind of give us an introduction for sort of who you are, um, what you've historically done, and and what you're doing now. Uh, so I've lived in, uh, Calgary, uh, since 2007. I was a transplant from, uh, Vancouver. Um, I've been, uh, involved, uh, with, uh, the NDP on, you know, sort of, uh, in a variety of different, uh, contexts. I was involved in British Columbia while I, while I was there. I've sort of, uh, worked uh, with the party federally, uh, and certainly, um, in the last, uh, last little while sort of starting, Starting in about uh, 2012, I uh, got very active as a New Democrat um, in, in Calgary, uh, doing organizing uh, for the party uh, and was uh, uh, got um, uh, very deeply involved uh, in uh, the lead up to the 2015 uh, election starting uh, in, in 2014 uh, and then went, you know, uh, went to go work for the Notley government uh, in the NDP government caucus as um, uh, as the Southern Alberta director uh, from 2016 through to 2019. So my sort of the, the, um, the history and the work that people are most familiar with uh, uh, when it comes to me in uh, Alberta politics is as a, as an NDP organizer. Um, uh, I have uh, lately, um, or you know, over the last uh, year and a bit, um, decided to sort of focus, um, as you mentioned, uh, more of my time and attention on community-based sort of like general political organizing. So I'm not, you know, I don't have a, a formal role with the party. I'm, you know, not, not an elected person. I'm not, uh, or an, an elected officer of the party as I've been in the past and, uh, and things like that. I'm just out there. I, you know, there are a whack of people uh, who are uh, getting involved in politics in Alberta for the first time. Uh, and there are lots of really interesting uh, conversations and, and discussions and a lot of uh, you know, great energy out there. Uh, and I'm really focused on just going and, and talking to and engaging and, and interacting and working with, with those folks. Uh, and part of that now uh, is uh, doing political blogging, uh, both on my own site and then uh, in a couple of, uh, of other um, places just to push the... Um, uh, or contribute to maybe the uh, the political dialogue in in the province in some useful ways. Now, um, when you say published in in some other places, can you give a couple of examples of sort of what those are? 
Yeah, uh, I had a um, I had a piece that was published uh, in uh, Maclean's or on Maclean's because it wasn't in the written uh, uh, the written magazine, but on on their website uh, over the summer. And I've now done uh, relatively recently two uh, two pieces for Progress Alberta on their uh, their Progress Report um, site. So uh, that's sort of in addition to okay. the the published work that I do on on my own site, ScottHaroldPain.com. Okay. Way to get the plug in. Um, so to start with, one of the big reasons why I wanted to, to have you on is you did uh, a bit of a series on how members of Jason Kenney's staff have chosen to interact with the public. And I'm saying it as, as, as nicely as I can for now, because we'll get into the, the not. That is very so diplomatic. Nice later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I'm pretty sure you know what series I'm talking about. Can you just go into sort of the broad strokes of what the series was and what inspired you to do it? Uh, so the series is called, I called it the, the Bully Pulpit series. Um, uh, yeah, it looked at um, the, the ways in which, um, you know, members uh, of uh, the UCP um, government staff have, have you know, utilized uh, their positions and their their um, you know sort of um, uh, government identified roles and social media accounts um, to abuse and bully and and harass and ultimately try uh, and uh, silence um, uh, outspoken uh, Albertans uh, and uh, predominantly um, almost exclusively, as a matter of fact, uh, women. Uh, and uh, I didn't like. So, I mean, people, uh, you know, people on Twitter and people who are active on Abledge will, you know, or ABledge, there's always a debate about how you actually pronounce that, uh, that hashtag. But at any rate, on that hashtag, we'll be familiar with, uh, with the, the instances of, uh, of this sort of harassment. People, you know, know Jillian Ratty and they, uh, you know, and they know Wing Carly and, uh, and uh, you know, Stacey Spita and, you um, uh, maybe to a slightly lesser degree, but um, you know, many people will be familiar with uh, Melanie Thomas. But I didn't like, and so like there had been some media pickup on on these things, particularly around uh, Dr. Ratty, uh, because there was mainstream media pickup in terms of uh, you know what what happened uh, in her case, um, and some blowback that sort of uh, wound up. Um, uh, cropping up for for Matt Wolf, who is you know involved in pretty much all of these stories, uh, not surprisingly. Um, but I didn't like I didn't see anybody really digging into what actually happened and getting into the details around um, you know what like what behavior were uh, various uh, staff members of this government engaging in, and why you know why was it so why is it so to, like uh, offensive, frankly. Why, you know, why, why is this something that uh, you know people should be aware of and people should be concerned about? Uh, and I, you know, had varying degrees of uh, of relationships um, with the four women that I talked to. Um, so um, I, uh, I mean, the the 
the inspiration for it was just like, these are important stories and they should be told and they should be told in sort of like in, in the detail uh, and in the comprehensive fashion that they deserve to be told. Uh, and if nobody else is going to tell them, then, then maybe that's something that I should um, uh, take a crack at, at doing. Uh, and then, you know, having relationships um, uh, with, uh, with those four women, I was able to sort of uh, approach them and say, hey, I'm interested in writing this series of stories. Would you be willing to talk to me here? Like, here are some parameters around how we can do this. And, you know, I need to make sure that you're 100% comfortable with, uh, you know, with the process and with the end product. And, you know, I, I tried to approach it really as a collaboration with them where ultimately, like these weren't my stories. They were, these were their stories. And I was this, you know, I was sort of acting as a storyteller, um, but I didn't fundamentally have ownership over the story they did uh, and so they needed to you know I needed for them to feel like I did uh, a good job of telling their stories um, you know and I think that uh, I think that uh, we were able to achieve that it was you know it was it was a tough series to write because there were just there are some really horrendous things that happened and we really like um, got into um, talking about like who like who are these women as people and like, what were some of the personal ramifications? What were some of the professional ramifications? Um, you know, what were some of the, the outcomes that um, you didn't necessarily hear about? Uh, and, and, they were, and they were really heartbreaking and really gut-wrenching, um, both to talk to them about and to write about. But again, um, I think really important for people to hear about. So, um, uh, and yeah, the response to the series was, uh, was quite good. What kind of, of, of uh, for, for, I mean, Mr. Kenny loves to talk about how ah, Twitter doesn't matter. Uh, and so I think that there's a, a perception for some people that a lot of the drama activities, whatever we want to call it, that happens on Twitter uh, isn't something that a lot of Albertans see. So for the, the people who don't follow, and I say A.B. Ledge, uh, for the for the people who don't follow AB Ledge, um, let's what kind of what kind of behaviors are we talking about that occurred before you wrote the story? Because I think that there were also some fairly pertinent things that happened after your series came out as well. But let's start with the the, the before. So, what give, give, can you give me some examples? Sure. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, so in Dr. Ratty's case, um, uh, Matt Wolf, when he went after her for recording a video that, uh, you know, she freely admits was sort of was very pro profanity laced, uh, and she was just sort of speaking her mind and, uh, and in the course of doing that, uh, did a bunch of, of swearing, because that's just, you know, that's just where she was at. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, so Matt Wolf went to sort of uh, address this and 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 do sort of a, a you know a dressing down or a, a you know a, a litigation of who Dr. Ratty was uh, and you know lodged all sorts of um, uh, critiques against her. But you know sort of the the thing that I think people really latched onto was that he drew attention to um, you know in the course of that critique a picture of Dr. Ratty with her children, with her family, with uh, with Jagmeet Singh, um, and. Um, you know, I mean, Jillian acknowledges that like this was a picture that was out there. Like she had posted it on on Twitter, but to have um, to have the premier's executive director of issues management in the course of publicly criticizing uh, and undermining her legitimacy 
point to that picture uh, and not bother to consider the ramifications uh, of, of drawing attention to a picture that can, you know, contained her family, her kids, um, was, was really distressing and really disturbing. Um, you know, um, uh, in the case of, uh, of uh, Wing uh, Carly, who, you know, just went out and found some publicly available information about uh, Health Minister Tyler Shandro's involvement uh, in his wife's uh, private health brokerage and brought that to people's attention. Um, you know, again, Matt Wolf, uh, and then later uh, the minister himself sort of launched these series of, of incredibly uh, vicious uh, attacks, um, you, know, uh, you know, maligning her character and, uh, and imputing all sorts of motives in terms of, you know, what, what, she, what she had done and, uh, and, you know, effectively unleashed, uh, you know, sort of a, a horde of, you know, their, their uh, Twitter, Twitter followers uh, on her where you know the, the outcome was uh, that uh, you know not only did she feel like suddenly she was in the crosshairs of, of government staff and a minister um, uh, but she was receiving all sorts of uh, threats and uh, and in insults and abuse um, uh, from a variety uh, of other Twitter users um, Melanie Thomas uh, was mentioned uh, by name in uh, in the legislature by the premier of the province, uh, undermining you know suggesting uh, that um, uh, that there was uh, uh, some sort of question in terms of her academic integrity, uh, and then uh, Stacy uh, you know has been uh, her, you know again harassed by various government staff um, you know again received uh, numerous very distressing um, uh, threats uh, online as a result of being uh, outspoken, uh, and um, uh, and. All of these women uh, at one point just had to log off Twitter, log off all sort of online presence because the the, the backlash uh, that they were receiving as a result of sort of this abuse and and um, this uh, this you know public uh, dressing down that they were getting from uh, you know from uh, government staff uh, and and from uh, elected representatives uh, was just resulting in. The, like the the worst sort of um, the worst sorts of online behavior uh, that you know very often uh, you know uh, public leaders uh, go on record as saying like you know we won't stand for this and and you know and this you know this is inappropriate behavior and we don't condone this and and yet um, it was it was hard to see how uh, the folks that were engaging uh, in this harassment uh, didn't understand that you know what they were doing was clearly going to result in exactly the sort of behavior that they, you know, they claimed not to condone. Um, and, you know, and it's been pointed out by, you know, more than a couple of people, you know, folks who are much smarter and, uh, and much more, um, uh, you know, better read in, in terms of this sort of stuff that like this, this kind of like this going after um, private citizens. I mean, it's like one thing to go after your political opposition uh, and to go, you know, to go, you know, critique, uh, you know, other mem you know, members of the opposition, other MLAs and other political figures. But to go after private citizens uh, in this sort of concerted and consistent and uh, malicious way uh, is just it's kind of unheard of. Like this is this just isn't this isn't what happens 
in 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 democracies. This isn't uh, you know this isn't how politicians are supposed to behave, um, and it had you know ultimately uh, has. Um, and I think is designed to have a very chilling effect in terms of uh, debate and public discourse in the province. So to deconstruct that just a little bit, one of the the arguments that somebody might float uh, in defense, and I, I, I personally have a difficult time wrapping my head around how, uh, how a a taxpayer paid government official going after a private citizen is defensible, but for fun and games, let's say that it is. Um, One of the defenses could potentially be that um, we'll go with the example of, of Matt Wolf showing somebody else's kids. Um, Well, that's, I didn't think that anyone was going to go after her kids or I didn't, I didn't, she's the one who posted it. So I thought it was, was okay. Um, I personally have a bit of a problem with that because there have been no shortage of UCP staffers who have actually made quite a public uh, display of the fact that because of the abuse that they've received on the Twitter machine, they've made their profiles private uh, and they've they've locked down all of their social media. Um, So it, it, it... seems to me that there has to be an awareness um, of the fact, even even if we assume that that Matt Wolf is is just oblivious to the fact that when he dog whistles, dogs show up. Um, there has to be. It seems to me there has to be some awareness of the fact that the things that are said on on Twitter do have. Uh, and, and social media in general do have very real ramifications, and there are people who will take what's said um, and 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 run with it to some degree. How do you? How do you? What's your take on sort of the? Because Matt Wolf did at one point, I'm pretty sure, plead sort of ignorance uh, to the potential damage that he was he was bringing. What's your take on that disconnect? I mean, I just don't buy it. Frankly, right? I mean, like, I mean, sure, uh, uh, you know, Matt Wolf and, and other staff members might sort of plead in ignorance and say, oh, we didn't think anything was going to come with this, or we didn't tell anybody to go and do things, or, uh, you know, or, you know, we're, you know, we're just, uh, you know, responding to critiques that these, you know, that these women uh, are lodging, you know, against our ministers and, and our government. Um, I mean, it, 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 I don't buy that they don't actually understand that there will there will be these ramifications from their behavior but even if they don't they ought to like that's part of their job uh, as government staff people is like when, when you you know when you are you know when you are in a in a senior staff role for uh, serving the, the premier of the province, there is uh, there is a standard that you need to hold yourself to as you know as somebody fulfilling that role, uh, and understanding that you have um, as part of that role. And again, like it's I mean they like to blur the lines here, but let's be clear in in every single case where a government staffer you know went after a private citizen on social media the like the social media accounts that they were using invariably contained their titles and the like the ministries that they were involved with there was an, there was a sort of there was an official status 
um, that was um, uh, that was uh, you know marked by the the accounts that they were using that gave uh, you know their behavior a legitimacy and sort of a platform that. Um, that if you're not sort of thinking about what the what the implications of your behavior uh, might be when you're utilizing that platform, that's a in my sense or in my you know my opinion, as somebody who has worked for government before, is an absolute dereliction of your duty. Right, like you're like you you are not filling out you know, you're not you're not. Um, uh, you're not stepping up and, and fulfilling sort of the the, the moral obligations and the the, prof the professional obligations, um, you know that you you ought to be aware of and ought to be trying to fulfill as somebody uh, who is, you know, uh, a, ultimately a staff person for the you know the elected government of, of the province, and you don't like, you just it, it's not good enough to just sort of write it off to to obliviousness and sort of say like oh well I, you know i didn't think that through well then the response is well you should have thought that through like that that's the sort of thing that you need to be taking into consideration if you're going to be you know a professional uh you know uh, individual you know who is uh, acting with integrity uh, and uh, and somebody that you know the, the the voters of this province uh can feel confident is doing a, a good and responsible job that's one of the things that's particularly fascinating for me because with with matt wolf in particular one of the one of the biggest reasons why i bump sort of on his oh, i didn't know that was what was going to happen is is we're talking about the guy who uh, literally ran the the campaign to character assassinate Brian Jean, um, and and I mean CBC has has released the emails that demonstrate that that's I don't need to put the word allegedly in front of that because it happened. Um, so it's it's very difficult for me to to see him go. I didn't know that would happen when he is an assassin by trade. Um, so that's the that's the. And it's not like he started like it's not like he like just started yesterday being involved in political organizing, right? Like, I mean, this is somebody who has a long career uh, in in politics, uh, you know, uh, who has who has uh, you know worked at the federal level, has worked at the, at the provincial level. Like, this is somebody who has seen these sorts of. Uh, uh, scenarios and situations play out uh, in a variety of different contexts. Um, so, you know, like that, that would be, you know, that would be like, uh, you know, like me uh, uh, trying to plead the fifth on, uh, you know, on, uh, you know, engaging in obvious slander on on social media, um, you know, against against somebody that I was lodging a critique against, right? It's like, look, Scott, like you've been involved in politics for long enough to know where the lines are, uh, and to know what the like what the ramifications, what the consequences are going to be if you cross those lines. Um, and if you, uh, you know, I mean, it's a bit of a like catch 22 for, for Matt and, uh, you know, and, and other folks uh, out there uh, who are working for this government. It's like either you understand where those lines are and you are making a conscious decision to uh, to cross those lines uh, or you're just like really bad at your job like are you really that incompetent that you don't like that you know having been involved uh, in political organizing and being involved in multiple levels of government for as long as you have that you really don't get where those lines are 
Um, so, you know, I don't think that Matt Wolf would go around suggesting that he's incompetent uh, and that he doesn't know what he is doing. Um, so he needs to, he needs to, you know, pick a lane, either you're completely incompetent or you knew what you were doing. Uh, you know, you make the decision about which one you're going to cop to, but you got to cop to one of them. The, the other piece of that, and, and it, it, there's, there's, to me, one of the other concerns that I have with, with the situation with, with Mr. Wolf is if we go with he's incompetent, um, I don't personally believe that's the case, but if, if, if that's what we're, we're going to go with, he has a long and demonstrated history of being this kind of incompetent. Um, and at the same time, if we go with he's not incompetent, then that means that he's doing the job that he was hired to do well. In either case, I think it's important to, to highlight that we're talking about the executive issues manager for the premier of Alberta. So if he's incompetent, it would seem to me at least that uh, the, the premier has a responsibility to address this incompetent person who's harassing private citizens. And if that's not the case, which, like I said, I don't think Matt Wolf's incompetent. I think he's doing the job he was hired to do. But if that's not the case, that has some really alarming uh, implications for how the Premier of Alberta, a man who said that he was going to raise the bar for decorum, uh, is approaching um, politics and and how he's approaching leadership in in alberta what's your what's your sense of that well i mean i think so for one the the incompetence argument only, like only gets you so far so uh so if if matt wants to plead incompetence or or plead uh, you know a, you know obliviousness to what he was doing okay when you got called out on that in december 2019 um, uh, you know, when you engaged in these attacks against Jillian Ratty, then you you cease to be oblivious about, uh, you know, about the outcomes and, and the appropriateness of, of your behavior. And then you chose to go and continue engaging that behavior. So at that point, you're not like, you're no longer oblivious, you know exactly what you're doing, you got into trouble about it, there were news stories that ran on CTV and, you know, and other uh, other media outlets. Uh, and, you know, and you you got, you know, you got called out on it. Um, so uh, at that point, there's like a, there's a willful incompetence that starts to uh, starts to, to kick in. I mean, ultimately, I, I agree. I think that uh, Matt Wolf is doing exactly what he was hired to do. Um, and uh, and it's like, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, here's I mean, here's what is happening, at least from my perspective, is Matt, you know, uh, you know Jason Kenney knows exactly what Matt Wolf is up to day in, day out, uh, and knows exactly what he, you know, the sort of behavior that he's engaging in. Uh, and the fact that he hasn't uh, stopped it or curtailed it or, you know, or, or made, frankly, I mean, one of the things that I noted was, uh, um, I think it was in, uh, in a piece that I wrote about uh, Jillian Ratty is that like the most notable sort of response from this government has been a deafening silence about all of this. Like they just haven't said anything whatsoever, uh, haven't sort of like have chosen not to acknowledge that it's happening, you know, whatsoever. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately, um, you know, what uh, Matt Wolf is, is doing for Jason Kenney is being the attack dog that Jason Kenney knows um, that he can't be. 
uh, and uh, you know it creates like it, it creates this distance between ultimately exactly the sort of politics <clears throat> that Jason Kenney uh, has always intended to bring to the province uh, and the sort of politics that he is, uh, you know, that he is uh, trained in and, and brought up in and, uh, you know, and has uh, developed an, an expertise in, um, but, you know, also understands that um, if he were to engage in that sort of behavior, if he were to fully own that sort of, uh, that sort of, um, a political strategy that that would not be acceptable to uh, you know to a broad cross section of Albertans. So what he has to do is he has to hire a Matt Wolf who goes in uh, and trolls people on Twitter and attacks people and is antagonistic and argumentative and inappropriate uh, and um, you know silences people and creates a political chill in terms of having fulsome debate and dialogue in in the province um, and you know, it does all the things. Uh, that people have uh, criticized Matt Wolf uh, for doing. And he's, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I would say, make no mistake, he is doing that uh, not just on behalf of, but, uh, you know, at, at the behest of uh, Jason Kenney. So that's, um, that, that's, that's, you know, when, when Jason Kenney starts, you know, s says he wants to raise the, the decorum uh, of politics in the province, I mean, Actions speak louder than words. That's, yeah, that's, that's great for you to throw out there, but um, everything, and, you know, and like, look, I've been involved in political organizing for over 20 years at this point. I, I struggle to think of an example of a government that has been as vindictive and malicious and petty uh, and, uh, and just mean spirited uh, and inappropriate as this government. Like they, they regularly, um, caused my jaw to hit the floor where it's like, I didn't, I didn't think you could shock me again, uh, but here we are. Sorry, you had a question though. Well, I was just going to say, like, we, we know that there was a kamikaze campaign that was run against Brian Jean. Uh, and one of the things that has repeatedly struck me with the, the behavior of the, the Matt Wolfs and the Brian Batesons and, and that little cabal of assassins. White dudes? Uh, yeah. Is that in a lot of ways, they're running kamikaze campaigns against anyone who has any kind of, of criticism against the government. But as, as you highlighted earlier, and I think this is really important to note, they oh, disproportionately target women. Um, how do you think Albertans should react to the fact that we have a government that is that is is clearly sanctioning uh, personal attacks on dissent? I mean, I, I think Albertans should find that unacceptable and should be offended. Um, and I think you know, like I think in, I know that there is a lot of. Um, there's a lot of cynicism out there when it comes to Alberta voters and, you know, what people will put up with and what they won't put up with and what they do take exception to and what they don't, you know, and it's not like, I don't, you know, I mean, like, you can look at polling and see that, um, that, you know, there, there is still, 
a not insubstantial chunk of, uh, of Albertans who do support this government. Uh, and that uh, you know, many of the folks who, uh, whose support they have bled off has bled off to like arguably even worse <laughs> versions, uh, you know, of, of sort of uh, conservative uh, options. Um, but I do think that there is an increasing uh, number of Albertans who are really disconcerted about what they're seeing from this government. And I do think that like, Part of the reason why you have uh, folks like Matt Wolf and 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 the other you know the White Dudes Club that like to go out and uh, and attack uh, women and and attack dissent on on social media is that that like that though you know this behavior this sort of this this tone of politics uh, that this government uh, you know hasn't just uh, endorsed but has uh, you know has sort of um, taken to new levels does it bleeds off social media right like it does, it's not contained just to twitter i mean like you can you can see that uh, just in terms of what the outcomes were when uh, when they went after dr ratty um, now sh- you know jillian will quite rightly uh, um, uh, complain that ctv didn't actually bother to contact her to get her side of the story when they ran the story, um, which she was frustrated about and I think is perfectly reasonable for her to be frustrated about. Um, but, you know, but it showed up in, in mainstream media. I think that like, it, it, like this stuff isn't just contained to some little Twitter vacuum. It bleeds out of these, uh, you know, out of these platforms and out of these environments. These are porous environments where people talk about it on, on Twitter, but then wind up having, con- you know, I have conversations in, you know, with my coworkers about this, about this sort of stuff. Like it starts to get talked about, um, uh, around kitchen tables and around water coolers and, you know, in, in, in broader, broader context. And I do think that there, are, you know, there's an increasing, um, increasing number of Albertans who are, uh, who are worried and, and who uh, don't find it acceptable. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, that, that trend is part and parcel of why they continue to do this is like, they're ultimately trying to silence, they're trying to scare people away from talking about it. Uh, and trying to, uh, you know, and also like scare people away from talking about it, silent, you know, silence dissent, but also ultimately, you know, um, bottoming out decor in terms of um, uh, politics in Alberta only serves to benefit Jason Kenney and the UCP um, because they have no compunctions about acting in this way as they've made, you know, more than evident, like, you know, engaging in corrosive um, uh, and malicious, uh, you know, political uh, uh, discourse and debate and strategy, uh, like, that's, that's where they live, that's their home. Whereas they know uh, that, uh, you know, that, that their opponents, regardless of uh, who you're talking about, whether you're talking about the NDP, whether you're talking about liberals, whether you're talking about the Alberta party, uh, you know, whether you're talking about red Tories uh, uh, and sort of folks that, you know, identify with that sort of, you know, what now seems like ancient history, progressive conservative dynasty. Um, uh, like, there are differences, you know, uh, in, in all those folks, but I think, none of those factions uh, of political activists uh, and folks who are engaged in politics uh, within those camps are particularly comfortable 
uh, like there's a line that that they won't cross where they're they're not going to engage in that sort of behavior they're not going to they're not going to stoop that low uh and uh, and by sort of like taking you know taking the knees out from um so the integrity of alberta politics uh, and making it okay to be down there, it uh, it basically uh, it vindicates uh, and justifies all of their behavior um, uh, by having. And I've had people sort of uh, uh, in response to these stories that I've written say like, "Well, what's wrong with this? Like, this is just, like they're just responding to their to their opponents. They're just you know responding to critiques that are that are coming their way. They're, like, there's nothing out of the ordinary with this because people have become so desensitized to the idea because it's happened so frequently and so regularly and without any sort of, without any acknowledgement of uh, inappropriateness or crossing lines or you know acting uh, in an unscrupulous uh, fashion. Um, so as a result, Jason Kenney and the UCP get to hang out down there doing that thing that they're perfectly happy to uh, and to do and know will work and know that their opponents won't go there. Uh, and they, they get a, you know, they get a get out of jail free card as a, as a result. Um, so, I mean, I think the entire, uh, um, the entire strategy is, is um, they're, they're, 100% conscious of what they're doing and very intentional about it. Uh, and they are doing it because um, for as much as they are taking on political damage for doing it, they also know it's it's going to work. Like it's going to be a successful strategy. And the, the, the challenge for those of us who take exception to the idea that this would be sort of the norm uh, uh, with our politics is we have to find a way of combating that. We have to find a way of, of reestablishing sort of those those standards and those uh, those lines and say no you like you you don't get to hang out down here you don't get to engage in politics in that way that's not acceptable uh, and ultimately the you know the ultimate repudiation uh, needs to be that that if you're not comfortable with uh, uh, and don't find this sort of behavior uh, acceptable you got you got to throw these folks out of office that's that's ultimately what they're going to pay attention to. Do you think there's a conversation to be had in regards to what appears to be uh, the, the, it seems to me like the focus of the, the UCP is not uh, to serve Albertans. Uh, it, it seems to be, and, and, and I say this because the tactics that they're using and the tactics that we're talking about today aren't, aren't tactics, tactics that, that I think, I think most, most Albertans would, would feel comfortable, comfortable getting behind. It seems like their priority is much more similar to the, the Republicans in the States where it's winning and power at all costs. Do you think there's a conversation to be had around that? Um, I mean, I think, I think so. Uh, I mean, A, I think you're right. Um, that ultimately what uh, Jason Kenney and the UCP are most concerned with is power uh, and um, uh, gaining and uh, holding on to power and, and utilizing power for, you know, for their own narrow interests. Um, I think that, um, you know, like there was, uh, there was a dissatisfaction at play uh, in 2015 when you saw um, you know the first non-conservative government uh, elected in you know, in the province in 44 years um, that didn't like didn't suddenly bubble up uh, you know over the course of the election campaign where people had um, uh, grown um, discontented and, and frustrated with the sense of entitlement 
uh, and uh, and sort of you know uh, uh, it all. I mean, it feels like <laughs> you talk about like conservative conservative entitlement and, and corruption and and uh, you know sort of like the, like that sense that uh, you know that the, the PC dynasty. Uh, of your wasn't uh, serving Albertans. It almost feels quaint now compared to what we're, you know, what we're what we're dealing with. But there was like there was that very visceral sense that like these guys are not in it for us. Uh, and uh, you know, Albertans had been sort of looking at their options for a while, and uh, you know, and very nearly decided uh, that they were going to uh, elect a wild rose government in, in 2012. And then there were a few sort of key tactical and strategic mistakes uh, that Danielle Smith and that uh, government or that party engaged in in that election campaign that you know resulted in them not being able to um, to form government but I mean I think uh, that a majority of Albertans uh, uh, don't like feeling like and I mean most people don't like this don't like feeling like they're being used don't like you know. Don't like feeling like they're they're um, you know they're being played. Um, and uh, the trick is um, uh, figuring out how to have a conversation with them, where um, where they um, where they actually feel that way. Um, because I think that there there is still I mean there's a there is a uh, such a, a strong and longstanding. Um, conservative identity that, that plays out in terms of the politics of this province, that, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, folks are sort of naturally uh, inclined to identify with Jason Kenney uh, and identify with anything that has the word conservative in it. And it is, it's a, it's a tricky needle to thread to figure out how to, how to talk to those folks in a way um, that uh, doesn't come off as condescending and doesn't come off as um, uh, as um, uh, insincere and sort of like doesn't you know like that actually penetrates and, and actually resonates with them. Um, but I do think that there is you know there is that conversation to be had, and I think sort of. Uh, you know, there's recent polling where people uh, have identified that they feel, uh, you know, like they are worse off than they were a year ago. There's this Angus Reid poll that came out where people talked about feeling worse off than they were a year ago and feeling like things were only going to get worse. Uh, and uh, folks feeling frustrated uh, about how the government had handled the pandemic and how the government was handling healthcare and this war with doctors and, you know, the, the raging dumpster fire that is Tyler Shandro and, and all of his, uh, you know, uh, public spectacles. And uh, like, I think that the, there, there is an opportunity here um, to, to talk to folks about, uh, you know, is, is this a government that is actually uh, here to serve you? Um, uh, but, uh, you know, folks need to A, be open to having that conversation. And I don't, you know, I don't even mean those voters. I mean, the, you know, those folks who want to try and have that conversation and want to try and leverage that conversation into a different electoral outcome uh, in 2023 need to be open to having that conversation with folks uh, and need to be open to talking to folks that they don't normally sort of 
think about going and talking to and engaging with. Um, and they need to think, uh, you know, carefully about like, how are they going to go and talk to those people? And what are they going to talk to them about? And what is the message going to be? And, you know, are you... Are you going to go and say, well, if you voted UCP in 2019, then you're a bad person and you're stupid and you, you got, uh, you know, you got uh, fooled and, uh, and you're a moron and da, 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 and you know, all this sort of stuff that, you know, that I sometimes hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, what, what's the likelihood that you're going to be able to have a meaningful conversation with somebody um, uh, if that's the tactic that mm -hmm. you're going to talk about? Uh, you know, and I think the other thing that we need to, you know, uh, folks who are looking to unseat Jason Kenney and UCP in 2023 need to get uh, very, very good at talking to people about economics. Ultimately that, you know, his jobs, I mean, look, they, they, they had this everywhere that they went in 2019. Uh, they knew exactly, you know, Jason Kenney and the UCP knew exactly what the 2019 election was going to be about. And they made it the, you know, the, the, the slogan of their campaign, jobs, the economy and pipelines. Um, uh, so, uh, which is not to say that, you know, when you're going to have these conversations, you need to be talking about jobs, the economy and pipelines, but you do need to be talking about the economy. We need to get, you know, we need to get comfortable in that space and having a meaningful conversation, uh, with folks. And I think that that's where, you know, that, that feeling of discontent and that feeling of pain that people are having right now around, you know, Jason Kenney said he was going to come in and make everything better. Uh, and he has utterly and completely failed to do that uh, on, on pretty much every count. Uh, and so we need to figure out how we go uh, and have meaningful conversations with people, I think, very specifically about that issue uh, and connect with them and resonate with them uh, and, you know, and get, get them... Um, you know, get them really sort of sitting with that feeling of like, not only uh, do I feel like I'm worse off, these guys aren't doing anything uh, to alleviate that. And they're actually not interested in doing it either. And what, you know, what am I going to do as a result? I think one of the, one of the questions we did a, we did an episode a little while back with a, a lady named Jennifer Sanford, who has a, a podcast called conservative like me. And one of the, the frustrations that she expressed is the fact that Jason Kenny and what he's created with the UCP is not what most traditional conservatives would identify with. Uh, I think that there's a there's a, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with your your sentiment on the fact that, you know, saying, ah, oh, you got what you deserved doesn't accomplish anything when we're talking to people who believe they were voting for a traditional Alberta conservative party. Um, the the one of the big things that I took away from that conversation with with Jennifer and one of the big things that I've taken away from other conversations with other people who have historically identified as conservative is the fact that they very much feel homeless right now. Um, the there's a, a very strong sentiment that there, you're you're, you're going to always have Alberta conservatives, not UCP conservatives, but Alberta conservatives who will not vote NDP even if you hold a gun to their head. Um, and one of the things that I'm finding very interesting is looking at the 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 field for 2023. I don't see 
options for those folks? I mean, there's I know that there's some people who have said that the you know, they're 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 looking at the Alberta party. But it seems like the Alberta party has a difficult time getting out of bed and putting both shoes on, let alone running a compelling campaign in 2023. Do you see any kind of hope for the the traditional Alberta conservative? Um, or do you think they're just going to end up, oh, well, it's the only one we got? Um, I mean, I think... Uh... I mean, engaging folks who have for generations identified as conservative. And I, I, I would agree that I don't like, I don't think that Jason Kenney and the UCP are conservative. Um, not in the sort of the traditional sense uh, that, uh, you know, folks who for generations have identified as being an Alberta conservative, a small C conservative, um, you know, w- would think of, of themselves. Um, you know, the, like these, you know, Jason Kenney and the UCP are far right populists who are, you know, again, only interested in, uh, you know, power and money and maintenance of power and, you know, fulfilling their own narrow agenda. And, um, you know, I've had conversations with conservatives, uh, you know, or people who identify as sort of small C conservatives who s- sort of lament the idea that I was talking to Mark Taylor uh, not long ago of, of um, uh, uh, you know, has been a, a Wild Rose organizer and uh, I think is currently involved in the Alberta party and, you know, does uh, you know, work with political R&D and sort of, um, you know, has been involved for a while. And he, you know, very much lamented in a, in a conversation that we were having where he's like, you know, we used to be able to disagree about how we were going to get somewhere but we both agreed that there was somewhere to get and then the the discussion the debate was ultimately about like how do we how do we get there um uh, and and we could have you know really vociferous debates uh and really heated debates but ultimately you know there was a there was a, a common understanding that we were trying you know the the we might even have different definitions of what it meant to better society or to build the the province, but we agree that that's what we were doing. And that, you know, the bottom seems to have have fallen out of that sort of like common understanding um, that, you know, that we're working towards, like, I mean, this government could argue doesn't even believe in the notion of a common good, you know, whatsoever, that there is any sort of like shared prosperity that we should all be working towards. And we've got very different ideas about how we get there. They're not even willing to sign on to that notion of shared prosperity or common good, or that, you know, that there is sort of something that we're all, that we're all rowing towards. so uh, do I have hope for, you know, for the Mark Taylors of, uh, of the world? Um, I mean, I think those folks are like, they're going to have a very, uh, they're going to have, uh, you know, a, a challenging decision uh, that they're going to need to make in, in 2023. And um, I am, you know, I, uh, there is, uh, there's, always debate uh, about, you know, what, what is the appropriate, you know, way to approach uh, uh, this issue and like, are, you know, are there, are there quote unquote good conservatives and, you know, what, you know, what's the value of being a centrist and shouldn't everybody like, shouldn't this just be like a, you know, 
a dichotomy between either you're a progressive or you're a conservative and you pick your side and that's it and you know you can't meet in the middle uh, uh whatsoever um i uh and this is me personally i don't i just don't find that debate to be particularly useful because i don't i don't i can think i think it frames politics in a way that most people don't think about politics most people don't think about politics in terms of like when people talk about being conservative they're not talking they're talking about it from an identity and a like a, a values based um proposition they're not thinking about it I don't believe um, the majority of people from an from a rigidly ideological standpoint, and most people I don't think think about politics in terms of strict ideologies. They think about it in terms of values uh, and relationships uh, and and you know overall goals and sort of like in in terms of like how they live their lives and, and what they're trying to achieve with their lives and you know what their family and their friends are trying to achieve with their lives. Um, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if, if I can, um, if I can have a conversation with somebody where we can have a meaningful discussion about, you know, what it means to, um, to create a better province and we can have disagreements about, uh, about, what that looks like uh, and how we get there uh, and have difference of, of opinions, but we can agree that there, there is something, uh, there is a common good that we can be working towards uh, and, uh, and, and that we can have, you know, a debate about uh, how we get there, uh, then I'm always gonna engage those folks. Um, uh, and so um, uh, is there, I, yeah, I think there, there is always hope. There is like I won't stop talking. You know, from my my perspective, I'm I'm never going to stop talking to the Mark Taylors of the world. You know, I'm never going to stop talking to to folks who are willing to engage in a sincere uh, discussion about what we're trying to achieve uh, with our politics. Um, and there are folks who are not willing to engage in that sort of a conversation, and those are folks that I'm not interested in spending time talking to, uh, ultimately. Um, but, um, but I think that, you know, I, I I'm kind of ever the optimist. So I always want to believe that there are uh, enough folks out there um, uh, that we can have uh, a meaningful enough en engagement to, to create some kind of positive change uh, with politics, but it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of, you know, and a lot of conversations. And we got to really, you know, anybody who says, gee, I wish the Alberta election was tomorrow. I just like, I could, could not disagree with you more. There, there is a tremendous amount of work still, still to do. And I know it is challenging and I know people are hurting uh, and, uh, and that, it, you know, it is incredibly depressing to be organizing under this government, but we need, you know, absolutely every single, uh, year, month, week, day, minute that we can, uh, that we've got at our disposal to do as much of that work and lead up to the next election if we want to stand a chance of actually seeing a change of government. With, with all of that being said, um, one of, I mean, we're, we're recording this on the day after the, the U.S. presidential election. And one of the things that we're seeing coming out of that is that uh, Trump got a lot more support than a lot of people were anticipating. And it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to, to air this um, in, a, in a week, uh, because hopefully by then uh, the American people in the world will have some, 
some idea of what the results are of that election. But one of the things that I think that the the results so far, just given that he's gotten way more support than a lot of people were anticipating, is the fact that there is a a real hunger, it seems like, for leadership that doesn't play it safe. Um, that, that certainly seems to be resonating with the Americans and based on the fact that when I was out of the house yesterday, uh, I saw a couple cars driving around with Trump stuffs in their windows in Calgary, Alberta. That, uh, the, the bombast seems to resonate effectively with people. Now, uh, I don't think that, while there might be some shared tactics between Mr. Kenny and Mr. Trump, I don't think that Mr. Kenny carries himself with the same bravado that uh, that Mr. Trump does. Do you think that there's room for, uh, or, or even will, inside of the progressive circle for leadership that does way into that a little bit i mean i think so again i think one of the from my perspective one of the mistakes that i think people make is they they look at sort of uh at the way that that those dynamics play out and they think about it in pure ideological terms and so that you know from from a progressive standpoint people go well, we need to be unwavering progressives and we need to be bold and we need to, you know, uh, you know, pu- push the line on, on X, Y, and Z. And like, and, you know, we sort of need to like, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, create this sort of like unapologetically uh, progressive political campaign. And that's what's going to resonate with people. Um, and like, I, maybe like I, you know, look, I, I identify as a, as a political progressive. So I, I have no, I have no problems with, uh, with, you know, the, that sort of an idea and, and championing uh, progressive ideas. But I think that is to misunderstand ultimately um, what the dynamics uh, at play are here. And that like, you know, one of the things, one of the things that Donald Trump does exceptionally well is he does not speak to people in ideological terms, right? Like mm-hmm. what people love about Donald Trump is not uh, that he is this like dyed in the wool conservative. They love the way that he carries himself and that, you know, that, that he speaks to them in a way that, you know, that strokes and inflames their egos in the way that they, they deeply, uh, you know, want to have done and they they find him inspiring and strong and courageous and un, you know unwavering and all these 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 sorts of things um and those are all sort of politics you know as personified by a person uh and uh and so is like is there so when we talk about being bold um from uh from the progressive side of the street i think it's you know, progressives uh, traditionally have this tendency to focus on policy. And don't get me wrong, policy is important. Um, but policy is ultimately what you enact after you win an election. Uh, and, and in the lead up to uh, and during an election, what you really need to be talking to people about is ideas and values and being bold in the sense of like 
being compelling and being somebody that inspires people and grabs people's attention uh, and you know, and, uh, you know, can light a fire under them, uh, you know, under the, uh, you know, with the idea that, that they, you know, we could create some sort of change, something that is worth getting excited about, and something that is worth getting invested in, uh, and something that, uh, you know, that is worth you getting up off, uh, you know, off your, uh, off your butt, uh, and playing a role in trying to make happen. Uh, and, um, and that doesn't, necessarily need to attach itself to or it's you know it's not even necessarily going to be particularly successful if you uh if you try and communicate that through a comprehensive uh series of policy statements policy statements don't tend to excite people you know <laughs> they don't tend to inspire people i mean like some people you know like you know political um uh you know uh, politicos like myself and folks that you know that like who live and breathe this stuff yeah sure we get it we get excited by that sort of stuff but um you know uh you know the average voter the average albertan if you you know if you release a you know a 30 page policy document and say they like this is what we're fighting for like is that gonna is that what's gonna light a fire in their belly to try and uh, go out and uh, and, and get involved and, and create change, uh, the sort of change that we're talking about in the province. No, it's, I mean, it's not ultimately. Um, and so, yes, there's room for that sort of a compelling figure. Um, and uh, I think we need to focus on talking to people in terms uh, that, uh, that resonate with their lives uh, and resonate with their values and resonate with who they are as, as people. Uh, and not, uh, you know, and not see, um, not see that sort of boldness uh, that you that you referenced in in strict ideological terms, like not in terms of being the most progressive progressive that you can possibly be, but being an, an exciting, uh, intelligent, um, inspiring, uh, compassionate. Um, uh, progressive human being that that people can feel connected uh, connected to uh, and invested in. The last question that I have for you, and we've kind of touched on it a little bit, and then I'll let you go. Um, is there it, when it comes to the strategies between conservatives and progressives in regards to getting their their message and their people out there? One of the things that I I've noticed at least, and I've I've certainly heard other people mention the same thing is that in the spaces where we can have conversations and in the time of COVID, this is increasingly social media, um, conservatives tend to take, and I like to use the word, a very evangelical approach. So uh, it seems like uh, a lot of the, the hardcore UCP conservatives come from a background where they believe that their belief system not only is correct, but you need to believe it too, because if you don't, then everybody's screwed. So they, they, they don't give up a lot of space. And I think we see this going back to our earlier start of the conversation with the Matt Wolfs uh, and the Brian Batesons, because they don't stop. Progressives, it seems like, have a tendency of looking at somebody with an opposing viewpoint and either going, ah, oh, you're wrong, or as you alluded to earlier, it's your own fault because you voted for this, and immediately putting a air of superiority on things or conversely they just walk away 
and they just say, I'm not going to have this conversation. Is that something that progressives need to get past in your opinion in order to, to make a dent or is, is it unimportant? No, I think it, I, I think it's pretty key. Um, I think that, um, I mean, that's ultimately why, you know, look, there, there are very good and very talented uh, people who are doing work uh, for the NDP right now and, and sort of like in uh, doing organizing specifically uh, under the umbrella of that political party. And I know many of them and, and I hold many of them in very, very high regard. Um, but the reason that I uh, chose not to do that uh, is because I think that there, uh, there, there are important conversations and there's important engagement that needs to happen uh, outside of that umbrella. And I, pro you know, I, I am confident uh, and know that, uh, that there are folks that are continuing, like the, the, the work that, you know, the pure sort of like partisan political organizing work, uh, you know, that political parties engage in uh, is important and needs to happen. Uh, and is vital to, you know, to build a vehicle, uh, you know, via which um, you can, you know, you don't, you don't realize political change uh, without viable political parties, as you, you know, as you mentioned earlier about, you know, some of the challenges that the Alberta party seems to be having, like if, if, you know, if, if you had a more robust Alberta party, uh, that seemed like it was more active and, and, you know, a more viable vehicle for some of those, um, traditional conservative voters, um, you, you might be seeing some, uh, some different uh, political dynamics at uh, play in, in the province. Um, so I trust that there are folks, uh, you know, from, you know, my chosen team uh, that are, you know, out there doing that very, very important work. Um, but there is another, there's another um, sort of engagement, there's another plank of work um, that I, um, think needs to be done and I didn't uh, see a lot of people doing and so I decided uh, when I you know I took some time after the 2019 election because I mean it was a um, exhausting run-up to and then exhausting election uh, and you know everybody needed a bit of time to figure out what the heck we were doing um, when I decided it was time to re-engage uh, you know I made a conscious decision that like I want to go have those conversations. I want to go, you know, focus on that engagement. I, you know, I, I, I want to be, uh, uh, I don't want to hang out in rooms with new Democrats. I want to go hang out with people I don't know who, uh, who, um, who are interested in having conversations and aren't totally sure, like the less sure somebody is who they're voting for, in some senses, the more interested I am in talking to you. Um, uh, because I think that there are, I mean, the, the, the political dynamics of the province have changed. Uh, 2015 changed things, uh, and I think ultimately, as much as you know, as we sort of whiplashed back to, uh, you know, a strong "quote unquote" conservative majority government, um, there are. It's you know, as somebody who has been active as a progressive political organizer and as a New Democrat uh, in the province uh, for a while, it, like it is different now. There are more people to talk to. There are more meaningful conversations to have with Albertans around what politics does and can look like and what we can achieve and where we could go uh, as a province um, than there ever has been. Um, and uh, I think 
that having as many of those conversations and being very dogged and determined uh, to have those conversations and engage those people uh, and do it in like, for me, as genuine and sincere a way as I possibly can, where I'm actually interested in having the conversation with them. And I'm not just ultimately like, I mean, look, at the end of the day, if someone says, well, okay, so all, you know, we had this great conversation, we agree on a lot of things, who should I vote for? I'm going to tell them to vote for Rachel Notley and the NDP. And there's no, like, there, there, that's not, um, not a surprise to anybody who knows, you know, who A, speaks to me for very long, or B, has any sense uh, for, you know, what, uh, you know, what my, what my past looks like. But um, what I want uh, in engaging those folks is for the leader, they know where, they know, if they ask that question, they know that's the answer they're going to get. But they feel like the conversation that we have, A, they need to ask the, you know, they need to ask the question. Uh, and B, the conversation that we have before we get to that question is a real conversation where I'm actually engaging them. I'm actually interested in who they are as a person and you know, what their goals are and what their life's about and what their experiences have been and what's important to them and, and having a really robust political conversation with them that uh, A, I don't think a lot of people have had um, in this province uh, and B, they're very much not used to having with a new Democrat. And I you know, get a lot of people who are sort of like, you don't act like a lot of new Democrats out there. Uh, and uh, I take that as a compliment. But also, like, I think there are a lot more new Democrats in the province who are interested in those sort of uh, sincere and genuine conversations. And there are a lot more warm uh, and grounded and, and real people than, uh, than a lot of people think. Uh, and I, you know, I know a lot of those new Democrats who are in this for all the right reasons. Uh, and I mean, look, you, like you, you're talking about, um, whether you're talking about the NDP as a party narrowly, or whether you're talking about the progressive movement uh, in Alberta more broadly. I mean, it, in a lot of ways, um, it, it is uh, uh, trying to do a quantum leap in terms of its organizing. Uh, and you're and you're co you're coming up against you know a conservative uh, movement that has been around for generations, uh, and we're still very early on in terms of figuring out uh, who we are and what we can do and what we can accomplish and how we can come together and what the direction of the of the province could be after we sort of. Uh, really smash this myth that every single government that ever uh, gets elected in Alberta uh, must be and will be conservative. Suddenly there's a whole new realm of possibilities open to folks uh, and it takes time to figure all of that out and it takes a lot of engagement and a lot of um, uh, commitment and, and a lot of conversations uh, and uh, we just need as many people plugging away on that uh, as possible. Just to get ahead of things before I let you go, uh, the Bully Pulpit series that you wrote, um, because I know that there's, there's probably going to be some, some speculation that happens. Were you paid by the NDP to write that? And if so, how much? Uh, I was not. Um, the, first, uh, the first instance in which I, was, uh, I received any compensation on that work was I did uh, three... three um, uh, three installments. So first wrote, wrote about Melanie Thomas, then uh, wrote about Wing Carly, and then wrote about uh, Jillian Ratty. 
uh, all of that appeared on my own uh, my own site. And then um, the Jillian Ratty piece, because of the timing of it, because she announced the day before the story came out that she her family was making the decision to leave Alberta. So it sort of exploded. Uh, and she, I mean, she's just an amazing person. She's an amazing woman, uh, and has uh, you know has drawn uh, so much attention and so much admiration from so many different people that you know. The, the timing of that uh, meant that people paid a lot of attention to that story. And uh, I had the folks at Progress Alberta read it and then reach out to me and say, hey, this is really great. We would like to have more of this kind of writing in the Progress Report. And so I then pitched uh, to them the idea of basically a wrap up piece um, uh, to, to that series, um, which we ran under a different title because it kind of became its own thing as well. But that was the first time that I got any compensation uh, for writing the Bully Pulpit series was when Progress Alberta decided they wanted to do a wrap-up piece and they were going to uh, compensate me for, for writing it for them. Okay, so you weren't, you weren't paid to, to start the project from there or anything like that? No. No, I, I, I really wasn't. I, I'd like to get paid for more of the writing that I do. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I, do, I do not have a secret cabal of NDP benefactors. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being as generous with your time as you have been today. I really enjoyed the conversation. I know our, our listeners are going to enjoy it as well. Uh, and uh, I, I, I hope we cross paths again sometime soon. I am sure we will. Thank you for the opportunity to come uh, and give you overly long uh, answers on uh, Alberta politics. One more thing before I let you go. Um, you, you have a website where you do your writing. For our listeners, what is that website? Uh, it's uh, Scott, so S-C-O-T-T, Harold, H-A-R-O-L-D, Payne, P-A-Y-N-E.com. So scottharoldpayne.com. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you again for your time. It has been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, please consider signing up to be one of our monthly sponsors at our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab. For just the price of a cup of coffee every month, you can help us to continue to try to produce the kind of stories that we're doing in the way that we're doing them. Additionally, if you're listening to the audio version of our podcast, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to because it's those ratings and reviews that help us get our podcast in front of more people. And finally, if you're not already following us on social media, please consider following us on your favorite social media platform, all at at The Breakdown AB. Thank you for your time.